All right, if you have your Bibles, could you please turn with me to the book of Ephesians? Book of Ephesians. We're going to continue on our series in Ephesians this morning. I want to bring your memory back to last Sunday morning where we started our series, where I did tell you that this would take as long as it takes. Do you remember me saying that? Yes. Well, as we look at what we're going to get into this morning, last Sunday we covered the last first two verses, and this uh, Sunday morning we're going to cover the entirety of verse number three. Because we're going to see that verse three to verse 14 in the Greek, so... You know, we're all reading translations. Whatever translation you're reading from, it's a, it's a translation. And we're, we're reading from the original manuscripts, but they're written in, certainly New Testament, written in, in Greek. So we're looking at it in the English, and we have our punctuation. You know, we have all these things. In the, in the Greek, in the original construction in the Greek, verse number three, all the way down to verse number 14, are one long sentence. One long sentence, which is what commentators say. Well, this is what one commentator says about it. He says, this is the most monstrous sentence conglomeration that I have ever found in the Greek language. And most people will say that actually it's probably the longest sentence found in ancient Greek literature. Um, so it's, and it's kind of unique in that. But it is packed I mean, it is packed with stuff, truth. You know, the commentators will say all things about it. Here's my commentary on it. So we're doing my commentary. Pastor Kevin Cowdery is first by first commentary in the book of Ephesians. Here's my comment. Well, one page section. It's glorious. <laughs> it's glorious. It's glorious. So with that said, we don't, we don't want to just rush through it. We want to take as long as God wants us to take. We want to spend as much time as God wants us to spend in this. Caden, can you turn this, this microphone down for me a little bit, please? Um, we want to spend our time, and the lapel microphone a little bit as well. We want to spend our time wisely in the Word of God. We don't want to rush it. You know, this is, this is a, 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 you know, a five-course meal. We don't want to hammer it. We want to take it and, and digest it and meditate upon it, and allow the Word of God to speak to us. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to, we're going to have a, a look together, and we're going to see, I mean, even, even in those verses, verses 3 to 14, you'll see that, uh, can you turn it, Caden, turn the lapel mic down a little bit more, please. Let me get these sounds right, because I don't like echo. All right, is that better? Yeah, that's better. Because I, I like to project my voice a little bit, and if this is too high... Yeah, I'm going to blow your, your hearing aids off. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Commentators will look at these verses, verses 3 to 14, and they'll see that they're Trinitarian, that you see the Father in there, that the Father chooses. You'll see the, the Son that we're purchased by, and we'll see that we're sealed with the Spirit. So it's just full of the Godhead. It's full of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Ephesians is a glorious book, and we're going to take our time as we go through it. So again, we, we don't want to rush it. So what we're going to do is we're simply going to begin with verse number three here. And that's all we're going to look at. Even though we want to springboard 
right into verse number four. And that's what the word of God should do. As you read it, you should want to read more of it. And if it's not doing that to you, if you not have a passion for the word of God, then hopefully this morning's sermon will help you in understanding who you are, where you are, and maybe what's the blockage there in that, in your relationship with God. And, and why that you don't have this desire for the word of God. Because, you know, it should be there. Because this is God's word. And it is glorious. And it's glorious. Let's read verse 3, uh, shall we? Of Ephesians chapter number 1. Verse 3 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Let's just pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, I do ask that you would help me this morning. Guide me and lead me, Lord, as I would minister your word. I thank you for the privilege to be here in front of these people and be tasked with the privilege of sharing your word. But Lord, I pray that you would help me. I I absolutely confess that in and of myself, I can do nothing. Lord, that I'm a sinful man that has been saved by grace, but I need that grace each and every day, and especially, Lord, when I handle your word. So, Lord, I pray that you would, through your spirit, enable me and equip me to build us up in the faith, each and every one of us, to help us see that you are a great God and heavenly Father who has blessed us so mightily and abundantly above anything we could ever ask for or imagine. Lord, it's truly glorious what you've done for us. Lord, I pray that there would be nothing I would say that would be untoward. There would be nothing I would say, Lord, that you would have me say, that everything that you would have said would get said. So, Lord, I ask that you would give me strength in my weakness. I ask that you would take me out of, your, out of the way and that your spirit would have free reign here this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather. We pray for the Sunday school classes, for those that teach those classes and give their time. We pray, Lord, that you would equip them and enable them and strengthen them. And Lord, I pray that the little ones would come to know you and grow in you. Pray for the teen class this afternoon, Lord, and for those that are working in that. Lord, will you bless each one of our ministries. In Jesus' name, amen. So, three things we want to draw out this morning. Um, I can't help it. Most of my sermons end up three points. I don't intend to do that. That's just the kind of way it happens. Sometimes you do four, sometimes you do five, but usually it ends up in three-point sermons, just the way it works out. But there are three points. Personally, this is a little tangent, but that's okay. I'm allowed to do tangents. I think that I end up in three-point sermons because I'm Trinitarian. One for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit. I do things in threes. And actually, truthfully, with all joking aside, I see a lot of threes in God's creative order. It's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But that said, we're going to have a look at three things. Number one, we're going to have a look at the order of blessing. Number two, we're going to have a look at the objects of blessing. And number uh, three, we're going to look at the origin of blessing. So let's get straight into it this morning. First of all, we're going to have a look at the order of blessing. And this is how Paul starts here in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So why have I called this the order of blessing? I've called this the order of blessing is because what Paul is doing here is focusing us upon the order of things. 
And surprise, surprise, no matter what the world has tried to tell us and fool us and convince us, it is not all about us. It's all about him. And Paul calls us to this uh, this morning and he brings us straight into the place where it's God first. God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God. He brings us to the place where no, we're not thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about God and our focus is on him. That's the order of things. God first. And he's writing to Ephesus. He's writing to the Ephesians. And he's telling them that it's God first. And as he writes to them, the word of God through the ages speaks to us now. And this is a most important point that Paul wants to make because what he is saying is set your affection on God first. Put your order to him. Put your orientation to God first. Why is that important for Ephesus? We're going to look at that in a little minute because they were covered in a place of idolatry where the focus wasn't on God, Jehovah, the one true God, Lord, Adonai, El Elyon, the most highest God. It was on the false gods of the time that were taking the people's money, taking the people's affections, taking the people as they pursued these idols. And Ephesus was rife. Turn with me to Acts 19. Let's go back a little bit. Have a look at Acts 19. We didn't really get some time to look too much at Acts 19 last Sunday morning. But we we looked at the temple of Diana, if you remember, and how that she was worshipped, how that there was a roar in trade. Let's, let's read from verse 23 of Acts 19. Acts 19, verse 23. At the same time, there arose no small stir about that way, or the way. That's the followers of Christ. The most beautiful, purest term. You know, we, we call ourselves Christians, first called at Antioch. But I love this. Anybody ask you, what are you? I'm a follower of the way. I'm a follower of the way. What is the way? Let me tell you about it. It's Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth and the life. So there rose some small, small star about the way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, bought no small gain under the craftsmen. So this is a man that he makes his livelihood of, of making these idols. Whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation. So what does that mean? It means there's a lot of them. There's others that are doing this. And said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. We have our wealth. Not make our living, but we have our riches. Moreover, you see in here that not alone at Ephesus, but almost, almost throughout all Asia... This Paul has persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. So that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshippeth. So here we have Demetrius and his band of cronies, and they're making idols, they're making trinkets, just like you see, you go into the religious shrines of the world, people farming out the, the trinkets, religious trinkets, that people will take away, and they'll worship, and they'll, they'll go after them, and they'll pray to them, and they'll expect these gods of stone and wood, 
to answer their, their prayers. And of course, the gospel absolutely shatters that. It gets to the root of it and it breaks it apart because there's only one God and these other gods are false gods. So Demetrius is upset because his livelihood is on the line. He's making money off of all of this. And he says, basically, he gets, gets a band together and says, we need to do something about this. We're going to go out of business. Because the one true God is being preached by this man Paul, this follower of the way, who is preaching the way. And the way is the one who is the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto God, unto the Father, but by him. And it is, it is wrecking our livelihood. Why? Because people are throwing their idols in the bin. They're breaking them. They're throwing them away. They're realizing that they're just wood and metal, that there's nothing to them, that they're false gods. Paul, as he writes to Ephesus, says, blessed be God. That's the focus. That's the first. Not Diana, not Ashtoreth, not any of these false gods, but the one true God. And why is that important for us today? We don't have any temple of Diana. There's nobody here in Milton that's standing outside this door and trying to get us to worship Diana and send little statues of Diana. Does that mean that we don't fall for this problem where we put other things first and not God? Because the definition of idolatry is anything before God. Anything. So question, let's think about this for us. Is our order of blessing Correct. Is our orientation correct? Can we honestly and openly say when we leave this place that it's always God first? The answer is probably no. No. And I'm in the no camp. It's not always God first. And it should be. It should be. I'm not here preaching, I've got this right and you've got it wrong. This is, this is not what this is. This is me looking at the word of God as we look at the word of God together and say, Paul is reminding us that we need to get our focus on God first. Unfortunately, we live in a world where everything is designed. Let, let, me, let, me, let me say this as clear as I can. Everything is designed out there to take your focus away from God. Everything. In this world system. Under the power. Of the prince of the power of this. There. Satan. It's a distraction. All of it. All of it. I was reminded last night. At at the YL meeting. You know. That we face great battles. with, With all the stuff that's going on in the schools. All the stuff that's going on all around. We face battle after battle after battle. But a lot of that's distraction. It's distraction, isn't it? Just like that, that's distraction. How many people just focused on that? Right? Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. What an illustration. It's okay, it's okay, don't worry. The Lord has used you this morning. Because here's the thing. Kids make a noise. Car outside. Somebody comes in the door. Windows open or shut. What happens? What happens? Distracted. Distracted. I could be about to deliver the best line in my preaching history. And you've missed it. What is God saying to you? And you're missing it. 
because of the noise and the distraction in the world today. It's everywhere. So Paul brings us to this reminder. And what he does here when he says, blessed be the God, he brings us into Old Testament economy. He brings us into his Jewish heritage, our Jewish heritage. Right? And he gets to the, what, is, what Jews commonly do today. Uh, the blessing. The blessing prayers. I'm tra- translating that, um, really. It's from the Hebrew word Baruch, or Barak, however you want to pronounce it. And, and what will happen is the Jews, even, even today, across the land, will be saying these prayers. And they'll be saying these prayers of blessing. And, and how they start this, this prayer of blessing is that they, you, they all carry this little phrase in, in Hebrew. So I'm going to read it to you. Let me, uh, before I do this, before I read this, quick question, just a little survey. Put your hands up if you're fluent in ancient Hebrew. <laughs> he does. You say he, he speaks some rubbish. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a no. You're going to take that as a no. That's good. So I'm going to, pre- going to read Hebrew for you, and none of you will be able to argue with me whether I've pronounced it correctly. But in these Bresson prayers, these Baruch prayers, they all begin with this phrase, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Malek Halom. That's pretty accurate, actually. You can't argue, so I'm just going to say that's pretty accurate. It means this, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. So they will say this at meals, breaking of bread, uh, all kind of religious functions. There are prayers of blessing. There's loads of them in Hebrew. And they'll say this. They'll say, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. That's how they'll start. The word uh, Barak or Baruch in Hebrew or Barakah are delivered from a Hebrew root word meaning, to, meaning knee. And it really means to kneel, to give reverence. And that's what this blessing is because we get confused. Like we can read there. You might even be reading that in Ephesians 1 verse 3 where Paul says, Blessed be the God. And you think, well, how are we to bless God? How are we to say to God, who is the creator and Lord of the universe, have a blessing from us? Surely the order is wrong. But again, Paul's going back into the Hebrew and he's, he's really reciting, as the Jews do, that they put God first. They put God first. It's really a, 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 a declaration of praise and awe. And reverence to God, who is the Lord and King of the universe. So what Paul does here in Ephesians, he goes straight into it and he says, blessed, he basically says this prayer of blessing. Blessed be the God, our King, the Lord, the creator of the universe. Let's give him reverence and praise. What's he saying basically? Let's put him first. First. You remember when we were doing our prayer? Um, meetings uh, uh, last summer I can't remember how long I've slept since then but we went through kind of prayer and what it is and again I showed you really that the foundation of prayer is our our relationship and acknowledging God for who he is before we ever get into any kind of secondary issues God first effectively in our prayer we should recite these words that (laughs) you are Lord God of the universe and I praise and worship your name That's the focus. That's the start. That's the order of blessing. And that's where Paul brings us to in this verse. He brings us straight to the throne of God that we come before him and say, praise your name. You're holy and high 
and lifted up. You're king of the universe. Before we ever get anywhere else. That's the order of blessing. God first. God first. And secondly, we want to move to the objects of blessing. And, and this leap is indescribable. This leap is truly, truly unimaginable. Really and truly when you get into it. Because what we're going to do is we're going to take a leap for the one who is Lord and King of the universe that we are to reverence and awe and praise. Blessed be God to the objects of blessing which brings us to us. Blessed is the first three. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Us. The Lord and King of the universe has blessed us. That leap, that chasm between those two things, God and us, was only bridged by the Lord Jesus Christ and his love and his grace and his mercy. But we are blessed people. We are blessed. When we get our focus first upon God and who he is, And then we think about what he has done for us and who we are in him. My goodness me, we're blessed. That the God of all creation and all power would bless us. I don't know about you, but I know me. I know my heart. (laughs) But yet God, blessed and bless us. Won't you let that sink in? I mean, who are we? Really and truly, who, who are we? The psalmist says it well. Psalm 8 verse 3, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast deigned, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Who are we? That the one who holds all things in his hands will bless us. It's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a, a, a song. A song came into my mind, and I was thinking about it and singing it through, and I thought, oh, I'm going to read the words to that. I'll read them. And then I thought, no. Why would I read the words when somebody with a much nicer voice than me? can sing the words. So as, as this song's played, it's a song by Casting Crowns. I'm sure you know it. I think it's certainly been presented or sung as a special here. It's called Who Am I? And I want you to just listen to the words because who are we? Honestly. Honestly, who are we in the scheme as we stand before God? So that's just... Uh, listen to the song together and I hope it blesses you. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name would care to feel my hurt Who am I 
that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever wandering heart. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow. A wave tossed in the ocean, vapor in the wind. Still you hear me when I'm calling, Lord you catch me when I'm falling.
it just blows me away the more I think about it. The more I get my focus upon God, the order of blessing, I start to think about how much we're the objects of blessing. We're blessed people. Ephesians says that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Well, this is not earthly prosperity. It's not like Israel in the Old Testament where very land-based, agricultural-based. You know, they obeyed God. God would prosper them as a nation. Our blessings are in heavenly places. They don't rust away. They don't fade away. That our ultimate blessing in Christ, our salvation, can't be taken away. No matter the things we do, if we're saved, we're saved once, forever, for all eternity. God's done that for us. With these heavenly blessings. And, you know, one commentator has likened um, Ephesians as the counterpart book to Joshua. But from a church perspective. How that, you know, Israel was to go into the promised land and receive the blessings, but they had to fight battles along the way. For us, we go, we've gone into our promised land, but we're not there yet. And on the way, there are battles. The destination is secure. We're going to look at this uh, in common sermons. But there are battles along the way. What are those battles? They're really battles of distraction. Distraction. And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. We've got to get our hearts focused. We've got to get our minds upon the Lord and consider how he is the Lord of all, but yet he has blessed us above all and beyond all. And that should change our views and our thoughts this morning. And then finally, I'm going to bring us to the origin of our blessing. It says, blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Two words, in Christ. In Christ. All our blessings are in him. Remember I talked about this chasm between the order and the objects? It's Christ that we have these things. It's in him and in him alone. That's positional truth. I'm going to talk a lot about this as we go on. Positional truth. That once you're in him, you can never be out of him. And in him, we are blessed. We are blessed. This little phrase, in Christ or in him, appears a lot throughout this epistle. Certainly in these next few verses, as we go down, you're going to see a lot. Uh, one commentator, uh, Osborne, in his verse-by-verse commentary in Ephesians, he says this of this little phrase. He says, moreover, we have all this in Christ. A major Pauline theme that expresses both union with Christ and the resulting membership in his body, the church. Some form of in him occurs in nearly every verse in this section and is the dominant theme throughout this letter. Everything we are and have is ours only in Christ Jesus. See, the gap was unbridgeable by human effort, by human works, by doing good. The gap was only bridgeable by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
who lived the perfect life and took the punishment that we deserve. So that no longer being objects of wrath and punishment, we can be objects of blessing. That's what Calvary done. That's in him. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I'm going to give you three verses as we go here. I want you to know that if you trusted him as your saviour, you're saved, you're reconciled, the gap has been bridged. You're an object of blessing. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. This is the great transaction. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is the swap. Our lives are ruined and marred with sin. His life was never touched by sin. And he gave his life and said, you can have mine and I'll take yours. And I'll take the punishment for yours. So you can go free. More so, you can become a son or a daughter of the God Most High. More so, you become an object of eternal blessing. That's what he's done. Turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. We're saved in him. Again, this gets to the heart of our idolatry. Our desire for something else other than Christ. Colossians 2, verse 10 tells us that we're complete in him. We're complete in him. Colossians 2.10 And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now what does the word complete, complete mean? Whole, done, finished, lacking nothing. Right? Complete. Complete in him. So if you're saved, the great transactions took place, then you're complete in him. Question, do you feel complete when you go out into the world and you have all the things around you that are telling you that you don't have enough and you don't have this and actually you should have that or this and there's more out there for you to have and it's been holding back and look at what they have and you don't have. See, the message of the Bible is countercultural. It speaks against that. And it says that everyone here... If you know him as saviour, you are complete in him. Complete in him. Everything you need and desire is in him. In him. Turn to Romans 11, verse 36. It's one of my favourite little verses in scripture. We're saved in him, we're complete on him. Why? Because it's all of him. All of it. Romans eleven thirty six 36 says this. For of him, through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. For of him, through him, and to him. What is that? Of him, through him, to him. Complete. Comes from him, through him, and back to him. Everything. 
everything. He is the origin of blessing. God the Father, the order of blessing, but the origin of blessing, it's in him. Everything we have is in him and we are complete in him. So when the world tells you that you're lacking, you go to these verses and you're reminded that you're an object of blessing and your blessing is complete. Complete. Tell me how many times I have to tell myself that again and again and again. When the distractions come, when you know family disputes come, difficulties come, you start to get in the flesh and you start to get annoyed and you start to think about the way the lost behave. And you get disheartened, you get down, you get angry, whatever it may be. We've got to go to the Word. We've got to go to this glorious blessing and see that we are blessed beyond measure. That in Him we have everything we need. That means, let's disrupt this round church, that outside of him, we have nothing. In him, we have everything. Outside of him, we have nothing. It may seem like we have something in this world. I said this on Wednesday night at the Bible study, when we're talking, you know, Christ Claire, Claire is there. <laughs> when we're talking about you know, oh, we want to get a house, we want to get this, we want to get that. And, you know, I always rhyme off, treasures in heaven, treasures in heaven. And Claire says, shut up with that nonsense. No, she doesn't. She says, but that's what it's about. You can have everything that this world has to offer, but if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. You have nothing. And in him, you have everything. Because you're the object of blessing in Christ. So what does Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 tell us? It tells us the order of blessing. We've got to go to God first and foremost. Give him praise and honour. Not simply because of what he's done. That's the wrong order. Paul, who knew, knew some things about this, says, I preach Christ and him crucified. What's the order there? Christ and him crucified. So yes, we praise God for what he's done. But I want you to get this this morning. If God never saved us, he should still be the object of our praise because of who he is. The blessing is what he's done. What he's done. But he's God. We praise him for who he is. We're the objects of blessing. We've received eternal life. There's no greater gift. No greater gift. End of. All because of the origin of blessing. The Lord Jesus Christ. In him we have all things. We have everything. Everything. Now. We're going to close with some application. Taking all these thoughts. Kind of putting them together. Thinking about where our affection should be. And then thinking about where our affections go. Thinking about idolatry, really. I was going to bring in, I forgot to bring it. I was going to bring in, who's heard of Prime, the drink Prime? Come on. Yeah, okay, all the young ones. 
And it, have you heard of praying? Yes. Oh, hey! I about well, there you go. Right. All right, okay. Not for you. Right, she's bought loads of them. Okay, we're going to use you in the illustration this morning. Okay, so praying, for those of you that, that don't know, and I'm glad some of you don't know, is, a, is a, a, a drink, just a basic rehydration drink that was marketed in such a way that the world went crazy for it. Like, I mean crazy for it. So think about Christmas whenever it's the, you know, the most popular toy at Christmas and you can't get it for anywhere. Prime was this on another level, right? So people were getting these Prime bottles and they were selling them on eBay for like 40, 50 quid and people were buying them. Some people were rushing out. No, okay, okay, you weren't rushing out. You buy them in the shop, okay. But some people were going mad, searching the country to get these bottles. I mean, I've got a bottle. Well, Caden's got a bottle, I should have brought it with me. That we're going after this stuff. What is it? It's idolatry. Literally, the world stood still for praying. I was thinking about this. If I, at that time, had a secured for Milton Baptist Church a stock of 400 bottles of praying, and I put it on Facebook that we had bottles of praying at the church, and for everybody attended the Sunday morning service that Sunday, we were going to give out a free bottle of praying. How many people do you think I would have in this church? I'd have half a Stoke and Trent in here. Why? Idolatry. But yet, yet, we have the free gift of eternal life from the eternal one that wants to give the water of life that will change lives forever here, free and available, that will preach the gospel to all that will hear. How many will come in then? So the problem is, the problem is this. Here's our application. Number one, we all worship. Every human being worships. That's how we're made. Now there's a gap. When our spirits are not alive, we don't know the Lord as Savior, there's a gap. But we still need to worship. You'll not find this in the animal kingdom. You'll not find this in the plant kingdom. Why? Because we are different. We are made in the image of God. Imagine day. We are image bearers of God. We're different. Every human being worships. You're all worshippers. The question is this. Not if you worship, but whom or what do you worship? For the youth of today, Prime, YouTube, whatever fad or f- comes along, TikTok or whatever it is, whatever celebrity is, is in fashion at the minute, follow, 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 worship, devote, adore. For some it's career, for some it's family, for some it's social life, for some it's your addictions, your sin. We all worship. The question is, as we read Ephesians, which says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The question is this morning, church, are we going to worship Him? Or are we going to allow the world to take our worship away from the one, the only one, that is worthy. 
That's what worship is, worthyship. We should worship and praise the triune God. We should praise him for what he has done. I'm going to close this morning and let, the, let that challenge settle on, on all our hearts. I'm going to close and just read the doxology because I think it fits this morning. And then we'll pray. Let's praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let's pray.